From weddings to work functions to weekends out on the town, it's always the right time to dress to impress. Step out in style this season with Indochino. They make high-quality custom-fitted suits, shirts, and casual wear, all at a surprisingly affordable price. Each Indochino piece is made to your unique measurements and specifications, so you get a perfect fit every time. You can even customize every single detail of your suit, from the lapel of your jacket, all the way down to the hem finish of your pants. Creating a suit that fits you and your style has never been easier. And the best part is that Indochino suits start from just $4.29. Dress to impress this season with Indochino. Right now, get $50 off any purchase of $3.99 or more by using promo code IMPRESS at Indochino.com. That's $50 off a purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com, promo code IMPRESS. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that... That's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. The following program is intended for immature audiences only. Don't think, just listen. Coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Good day, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM. And also broadcasting on Fayette TV Channel 77 and streaming on italknet.com. As we broadcast from the Phil Giannetti Motor Studio from Hyatt High Street in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. If you're looking for a quality pre-owned vehicle, give Chip a call at 724-785-6800. Well, today's a special show for you because we have a internationally known guest on the program. But before I uh, say who it is, let me read some information for you. He has a show coming up on August 14th, 2019, so that's in about, what, two and a half, three weeks. He's going to be at the Hilton Garden Inn in Pittsburgh, South Point at 7 p.m., and it is John Edward, the psychic. For information on tickets, all you have to do is go to his website at johnedward.net. Again, that's johnedward.net, and you'll be able to get the ticket information. I'll also have the ticket information on my website, so if you're interested in going to the show on the 14th, you'll be able to see John um, in person, which sounds like it's going to be a great time. John, how are you doing this morning? I am good. I'm, I'm fighting a little bit of a cold, so if you hear me cough for Sniffle, that's what that is. That's acceptable. We'll deal with that. So um, so you're coming to Pittsburgh on August 14th. When was the last time you were in Pittsburgh to perform a program? 
Um, I'm going to say about a year or so ago. Okay. So it's been about a year. And how long have you been doing these um, these programs in front of large audiences? Ooh. It's got to be well over 25 years now. Okay. And what really got you into doing it? So when I started doing readings um, in a in a just in a the way that it happened was I couldn't keep up with the amount of people that wanted to see me privately. Okay. So I I'm I'm somewhat OCD, so I was overwhelmed by the amount of people that wanted to see me. So I was trying to figure out with the limited time that I had because I was working a full time job, how could I see my clients privately? But then the overflow people, if they wanted to see me, they could see me in a group. So I started doing small groups, um, whether it be in my house or I would go to people's homes and do that. And then that got overwhelming that I couldn't, you know, 10, 12 people, I couldn't, it was more than that. So then I started doing a local hotel. And for me, it was like, this was a classroom where not only was I reading for people, but I was actually teaching. Okay. And then from that, yeah, from that, I thought, well, then I should probably like kind of create like a textbook of my experiences so that people have some type of take home. That's how my book came about. Um, so it was always like a, I call it the ice cube tray. It was like one filled up, then the next filled up, then the next filled up. And it was just a, a normal progression of like, okay, well, what do I do with this? Like, how do I, how do I do, how do I do this? And it was just a natural kind of the way it happened. And then I was invited to, you know, speak in a different state, and I was invited to come here, and I was doing radio in this area, and it just kind of exploded. So your national break, was that because you were on the Oprah Winfrey show? No. Okay. Um, my national break happened on the Larry King live show. Oh, okay. Uh, be- yeah, way before there was a crossing over. Um, not way before, maybe like a year or two before crossing over, or a year before I started taping crossing over. I, my, my book was coming out and Larry King Live had me on back-to-back experiences. It was a very positive experience, blew out the phone lines. So they had me back in a short period of time. So that was my first national exposure. And, um, and, and the reason I ask is because my sister-in-law that I have actually saw you perform in the early 2000s. And she just mm-hmm. said it was amazing um, how you were able to connect to your audience and how you were actually oh, able, cool. with all those people in that room, how you were able to do readings like that. When did you realize you had this talent or this phenomenon that you can actually do this? <clears throat> well, when I was 15 years old, I was a smart-ass sophomore in high school <laughs> making fun of my mom and my grandmother for having psychics come to the house. Okay. So every time they would, every time they would have somebody come over, you know, I was uh, kind of like inappropriate to be honest with some of my comments and my 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 uh, analyzation of the the readings that had taken place. And 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 just to be honest, some of them deserved it because they were like wacky. Right. But um, a, a lot of them did not. A lot of them did not. And I was ignorant and I was arrogant and I was coming from a place of not understanding the subject matter. So. My dad was a New York City police officer, career military guy, did not believe in the subject matter, so I kind of subscribed more to his philosophy. But they had a woman come to the house. Her name is Lydia Clark, and everybody that came out of the room that day just was 
like blown away, but a different kind of blown away than before. So it was like I had a harder time poking holes in her readings with people. Okay. Because they they were like legitimately like, no, 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 like, no, no, dude, like, dude, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she knew this, you know? And there were moments that I couldn't explain of like how she knew it. So it was kind of like making me more annoyed. And then my grandmother went. And when my grandmother came down, she was crying. And that upset me. I'm mm-hmm. like, Grandma, why are you so upset? Like, why are you like, what did that woman say to you that made you, made you so upset? And she's like, I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I'm happy. And I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't care why you're crying. She made you cry. Like, she made my grandmother cry. Like, that wasn't okay. Right. So I'm like, what did she tell, what did she tell you that made you this emotional? And she said, she told me that your grandfather's with me. And I'm like, yeah, Grandpa's dead. And she's like, yes. I'm well aware of your grandfather's passing. I was there when they lowered him in the ground. And then she proceeded to tell me, like, the things that Lydia had told her about my grandfather. And I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. And some of the things were like, you know, we come from an Italian family, so there's certain things that I just attributed to being Italian. So I was poking holes as best as I can. And then the last thing she said was, well, how would she know that your grandfather was buried with a mandolin? Now, truth be told, I didn't know that. Right. So I'm like, um, I don't know. <laughs> so here's what I did. I went to the list of people that were read before my grandmother had the reading. Uh-huh. And I tried to figure out, was there anybody that was in that room with Lydia that could have somehow, I don't know, volunteered that information? Could Lydia had gotten that information? Well, she couldn't have because all the people that went before my grandmother um, – wouldn't have known it or were friends of the family who had no affiliation with my grandfather who had passed like 30 years earlier. Okay. So it, it piqued my interest. I went for a reading and she put me on my path and told me that I had this ability. Interesting. That was my story. That's how I started. Yeah. Very, very interesting. So, cause again, you said you didn't know, I mean, someone had to point it out in you that you had this ability well, to do this. Imagine somebody says to you, hey, I just want to let you know, you have lungs and you can breathe. You'd be like, thank you. Like, <laughs> of course I do. Like, that, that, that to me was like, you know, she was pointing out stuff to me that during the reading was obvious. Right. Well, when I, when I started to do research on the subject matter, and back in 1985, it was the occult, um, I was embarrassed to check the books out of the library and I would sit on the floor and read them after high school. Um, and then I started to realize that, okay, so, yeah, I did have lungs and I could breathe, but, wow, I could hold my breath longer than most people. Mm-hmm. So what I thought was normal, which, by the way, I, I still think is normal for most people, um, I just had a little bit extra. Okay. So my process of development was I had a reading, and I, I became a student of metaphysics. And the more that I learned, the more that I evolved in understanding the more I had to redefine my past um, and a lot of my childhood experiences. And then I decided to actively pursue it because I wanted to understand it more. And I say this openly. I didn't have a reading and go, oh, my God, that was amazing. I had a reading, and I felt violated. So if you come to the subject matter in the way that I did, not thinking it's real, kind of like, you know, there's some type of, like, thing going on here. Like, what's the parlor trick that she used? 
then having no choice, because I pride myself on being a critical thinker. I'm very analytical. I'm OCD. I'm very logical. I have to explain things in a certain way. I've been like that since I was a kid. Then you come at that, and you have that meet, that, that, that intersection of logic and metaphysics. That reality for me made me go, I don't like the way, I, I didn't like, I, I felt violated. So if you've ever been robbed, people put in an alarm system. So my journey of development started by wanting to find the alarm system in this. Like, well, how do I make sure nobody else could ever do that? Because that was kind of creepy. Like, you know, like, I didn't go like, oh, that was cool. I was like, she knew stuff that she should not have known. Right. And by the way, she, she knew the outcomes, which is really, that was the breaking point for me. Because she, she talked about stuff that was happening. I'm like, all right, well, that could be, like, applicable to a couple other guys in high school. Then she gave me names connected to it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's less generic in general. And then she gave me outcomes. And I thought, all right, well, she's totally off because the, you know, one girl that she's talking to, she had no connection to this occupation. And, well, guess what? She did have a connection to the, that occupation as a waitress on the weekend. I didn't know that. Right. And she wound up dating somebody through that occupation, which was, by the way, all the way predicted in this reading. And it, it floored me. I just went, oh, oh I, have, I had to pay attention. There's like no way she could have known that this girl, by name, was going to date this guy, by name, through a job that she had that I didn't know. Right. So I couldn't even say she read my mind. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing that kind of put, that put me into the student place. And then the more I became a student, the more active I was able to develop. So when you talk about this, you're and I, and again i'm coming to this totally from the outside no clue what what um anything preconceived before i came in um so when you do when you do this can you are you just dealing with the with people's loved ones are you able to basically do a reading to say what's going to happen in the future i mean what are you what are you focused on or do you have the ability to do both I have the ability to do both, so I'd like to kind of clarify that a psychic is somebody who has the ability to tune into a client's energy, talk about their past, where they're at in their current present circumstance, okay. and, then project, and then project on a line of probability based on where we are today, where you're going. And that's how free will can come in, so you can make some shifts and changes if you don't like some of the stuff that's happening. The, the medium part of my ability, that kind of kicked in like two years after I was doing readings. Like, I didn't... I didn't start as a medium. And by the way, I don't think most people start as a medium, even if they think they start as a medium. They're starting as a psychic. And I think the important thing is to develop your psychic abilities first, like becoming a doctor. You become a doctor before you specialize. Okay. And then people can specialize in whatever arenas that they're, they're, they're working in. So as a psychic, you have certain abilities. You see, hear, feel energy. So clairvoyance, you've heard. But you probably haven't heard clairaudience. You probably haven't heard clairsentience. So clairvoyance means seeing something. It's a French word that means clear seeing, clear audience is clear hearing, and clear sentience is clear feeling. So you see, hear, and feel energy. Well, those same faculties are being used when you're a medium. It's just the person who's using the instrument of clairvoyance and clear audience and clear sentience for you is that person's loved one and friend who's crossed over. Okay. So um, when you started doing this, when you realized you had this this ability to do it, and you were 15 after you saw this per, this woman do your grandmother's reading and then did yours, when yep. did you start doing your first 
reading? Was it with friends? Was it with family? How did that all come about family. where you where you got this ability to say, hey, I can do this? So I have a very large Italian family. Okay. My grandmother had 11 kids. Wow. So every Sunday, my grandmother, yeah, 11 kids who had kids who had kids. So every Sunday at my grandmother's house, 20, 30 people, that's not like unfathomable like, right. to have that many people come to Sunday dinner for grandma, at grandma's. Um, so after I pretty much went through all the books that were at the public library, I then started going to bookstores, and I was buying the books that were being published in the subject matter. And I went to a local bookstore, and a deck of tarot cards legitimately fell off the shelf in front of me, and the manager of the bookstore laughed out loud and said, clearly you're supposed to buy those. So I did. So I bought this deck of tarot cards, having no idea what to do with them. And the tarot is a 78-card deck, and our regular playing cards are a derivative of that. Okay. So the tarot is made up of four, you know, made up of four suits, just like you know, we have four suits in the playing cards. And that's why you'll see people use playing cards as well to do a reading. So I took out the cards, I took out the book, I looked at the pictures, I looked at the book, and um, I did a reading one Sunday for my cousin Florence. And, you know, was it a good reading by today's standards? No, it was kind of really bad, because I had to, like, you know, lay the card out and find what it meant in the book, and right. then, like, tell her what I thought about it. Well, a week later, my cousin Florence called me, maybe two weeks later, I think it was a week later, she said, hey, are you going to be at Grandma's on Sunday? And I go... Yeah, I live there, so yeah. Why? <laughs> she said, Can you do my card can you do my cards again? So I said, I I can. I go, but I just did it. She said, Yeah, and can I bring five friends? And I was like, What? <laughs> like, Florence, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. I'm throwing down cards and I'm looking at a book and I feel like I'm making up a story. And she goes, Well, dude, everything you said to me happened this week. I'm like, Seriously? And she's like, Seriously. And that's how I started. I read for my cousin. I started reading for her friends. And I started reading for other cousins and their friends. And then, I don't know how old you are, but there was a commercial that was on TV for Agree Shampoo. Yes. And it was like, and they told two friends, and, and so, so on, on, and so, so on, on yes. and so on. <laughs> yep. And that's what it was like. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, well, hold on a second. got to figure out, like, you know, how do I how do, I do this? Um, and just by nature, as I said, organically, I literally set up, like, well, I only want to do this you know, one day a week. Well, then that became two days a week. Well, that became three days a week. That's how it started. So the the whole idea, and you, you made the comment that's uh, metaphysics. Is that what you said earlier? Yes. Okay. So the subject, matter as you, the subject matter as you know it today would fall under the category. Like if you wanted to hang up with me and go look for the books, the category in publishing now is called New Age. Okay. But before it was deemed New Age, it went from the occult like parapsychology, the paranormal, back to parapsychology, to new age. Now, how long has this been uh, and studied? Metaphysics was in there for a while. Okay. Sorry. How long has this been studied? This subject matter? Yeah, this subject matter of being able to be able to, I guess, read the energy of the individual. I think, I think from the dawn of time on some level. Okay. Because people have always had it, and I think they've always... You know, if you look at in um, when I work in Africa and I, I, I tour South Africa and I would talk to people there, they're very in tune with their ancestors. Okay. Um, Native, Native Americans, very in tune with their ancestors. And there'll be an elder in a tribe 
that would be able to connect with energies and predict what's taking place. In South Africa, they have something called a Sangoma, which is very normal for them to have. So different religions might have uh, priests or ministers. So it's it's been part of the popular mindset and culture in different iterations um, and versions. In my experience, people you know, broke off at one point. Astrology and astronomy were one where people knew both. And then science and the science age kicked in, and astronomy broke off and said, if we can't prove something by the scientific method, then we can't accept that to be a partially held truth. Um, astrology gets broken off from that. So then there's people who do astrology, but guess what? They're as knowledgeable as astronomers because they have to know all of that, but they add the psychology and the human archetype of the condition to help us understand what lessons are. And it's really, really fascinating. So for people who go, ah, that's a bunch of hooey, I go, then you haven't taken the time to study it. Because most people who do, and I don't mean like open the paper and read the horoscope, but most people, and I am not, by the way, 34 years in, four decades of being a student of metaphysics, okay. not an astrologer, can't call myself one, but still, still learning and always looking at it. But when you talk to an astrologer and understand what they know, mind-blowing, fascinating. It, it, it sounds fascinating. I don't know if I want to call myself a skeptic or not, but a lot of the things you're saying, I can understand where where you're coming from on this. When you do this, do you have to turn it on and turn it off, or is it always with you? No, I think anybody that um, anybody that does this work has to know professionally that there's a time and place for it. You okay. turn it on and you turn it off. And you never enter someone's vibration without their permission. It's never appropriate to walk up to somebody on the street and say, hey, I'm a whomever, and here's what i got to tell you, because it's just not appropriate. So, you know, we live in this Time's Up, Me Too movement. It's been like that energetically for me since I was a kid. Okay. It's not okay to do that. And just to touch upon what you said earlier, I think it's important for you to be a skeptic. So one of the first things that I do at all my events, and anybody coming to my you know, events in town, they're going to hear me say, Right over here, I'll point to the right, I imagine a balcony. Because in every room that I'm working in, I imagine a balcony. And in that balcony, I put the two old guys from the Muppets. Okay. And those two old guys from the Muppets, you know, their real names were Waldorf and Sadler. But in my version, I make one cynicism and one skepticism. Cynicism, I have no time for. Skepticism, I want everybody to be. Anybody okay. who's listening to us who can hear us right now, I think it's important, not just with the subject matter, in life, please. Be skeptical. We're living at a very divisive, chaotic, confusing period of time where people become group, collective communities, and if they only listen to who they watch or follow on social media, then they don't expand outside of that. They stop learning. And I think it's important to listen to antagonistic views with a skeptical mindset, because sometimes you have no, no choice but to go, well, hold on, that rings true for me. I need to explore that whether it be tasting foods or politics or religion or metaphysics, I think you're safer and healthier in today's world if you can call yourself a critical thinker. And even if you don't subscribe to what somebody else's belief system is, be respectful that they hold those to be their own truths. Very interesting. Now, have when you, when you do this, have you ever had a reading or in a large group where you're not able to get anything 
and it, it doesn't turn out the way you want it to, or do you you always get a percentage of the readings correct? No, I'm pretty damn accurate to be okay. confident. Like I, <laughs> I, 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 no, I'm. I mean, I, I say this because I've been doing this for so long. Uh-huh. I remember one night when my my television show was on. So we're going back now, twenty years, and there was a reading that was really like it was a whoa. And it was one of those, like, whoa moments. And the show captured it. And I turned to my wife, and I was like, could you believe, like, I got that? You know, like, I had that moment where I allowed myself the luxury of going, like, you know, wow, like, yay me, you know? And she looked at me, and she was like, seriously? And I looked at her, and I went, what? She's like, they gave your ass a show. You better be getting shit like that. I'm sorry. She's like, you better be getting stuff like that, you know? Like, so that's, like, what I live with. Like, you know, so I'm like, there's no, like, celebrating me at home. It's more like, this is the standard upon which you, you need to operate. Okay. So I, I also tell people that I put myself through testing. I participated in double-blind studies at the University of Arizona under the, um, the science lab there, Dr. Gary Schwartz. And there's a book written about the results where myself and other people were tested with multiple double-blind studies, and that book is called The Afterlife Experiments. Okay. So there's research to back up some of this as well. What I think is interesting, you mentioned the program has been that you did 20 years ago, and I and when I was reading your bio, I'm reading that too, and I'm going, that just seemed like it was a few years ago, because I remember, I, I remember I'm 53 years old, so I remember when that show was a how do I want to put it? It was a landmark when it came to type that type of programming because no one ever yep. saw that before. And you were, and you were doing that with people and people wanted to watch it. Now, why do you think people want to watch other people get psychic readings? I think people learn in a voyeuristic way. Okay. So, you know, thinking back to 2000, when we debuted, Again, it was cutting edge, it was pioneering, it was something that wasn't done before, and it was done like, it was, it was real, you know what I'm saying? It was like, it was an event that was televised, it wasn't an overly produced television show. I mean, although people thought it was back then, like, people would criticize us for that, you know, I, I laughed because a lot of the shows that I did that were news-based back then yes. were actually doing to me what they said we did on Crossing Over, which was cut up what I said and cut up what I did to tell their narrative. Whereas on Crossing Over, we just basically allowed it to be what it was. And I was really difficult to work with. Like anybody that knew me back then network-wise, they didn't really like me. I was known as the difficult, temperamental, challenging talent because I wanted it to be real. I wanted people to see the readings breathe. So I think when people watched it, they resonated with the authenticity of it. And it gave them, in the privacy of their home, the ability to watch something and maybe for the first time honor their grief, maybe for the first time explore the fact that they too had had an experience like this. So I think that's what it was. They saw themselves. You know, crossing over wasn't about John Edward. Crossing over was about the people coming through. And I think that's the difference with all the other shows that have come after. It's not about the viewer. It's about the the talent or the celebrity um, it's about the concept 
rather than the subject matter. Right. Because um, I think that's interesting. You made a comment that it wasn't overly produced. And in today's society, do you think a program like this would actually be able to air because everything we see now is overly produced or there's a narrative written because <laughs> whoever the producers are don't think it's interesting enough? Um, I love your question because it's usually my answer when people at my event say, are we ever going to see you back on TV? What you just asked me is my answer. I say, I'm flattered. Thank you. I don't know if I'm relevant to the way TV's produced today. Okay. Because I'm not your reality show guy. Like, I'm never going to have a camera follow my kids around. I'm never going to give you that. You know, my wife and I are going to dinner. Um, my life is my life, and I'm not sharing that. I'll share my experiences and readings, and I'll share lessons that I've learned. But, like, I have absolutely no desire to exploit my family. You know what I'm saying? Like, this, this is just never going to happen. No, I understand. Um, I'll share aspects. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll share aspects. And, I, and I, a long time ago, I went to the executive producer of Dr. Phil, and we're probably going back over 10 years. And I said to her, her name is Carla. I said, Carla, I think you and Dr. Phil need to do a documentary and start it now on reality television and, like, follow it for, like, a decade. I said, and, and watch how families fall apart. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell people all the time, go watch all the reality shows, or go look up all the reality shows that were on that are no longer on, and look at the amount of carnage in families that wind up taking place. Um, you know, I, I despise the Real Housewives because it shows, like, women behaving badly, right. setting a precedent for other women in society to subscribe to that from young... And I, like, sit back and I watch this, and I hear really smart, intelligent people, you know, say, like, oh, it's just, it's fun to watch. And I'm like, that's brain crack, and you're never getting those minutes back. You're right. You know, and, and I understand the appeal, you know, so I understand that it, it's fun to watch. But my grandmother used to watch soap operas for that reason, yeah. and those were scripted, and it, they were well-acted. Right. These are scripted and not well-acted. It's just, it's conflict. So for me... I, you know, if I wind up back on TV, it's going to be on my terms. And, you know, and hopefully people would want to see that again. That's interesting. And by the way, I'm going to steal that line, brain, uh, brain crack. I really like that because it is. It, it, it's just giving them people that, that, that momentarily high because they love to see conflict. And I think that's one of the things wrong with our society. You're listening to uh, Online with Bill Alexander. Today we're talking with uh, psychic John Edwards here on WMCK.FM and also on Fayette TV Channel 70, 77 and streaming on italknet.com. So, John, you mentioned briefly about your wife and two kids. Um, when you met your wife, did she know who you were? No. No, when I met my wife, I met her um, quickly. I met her, well, I didn't meet her, meet her. I saw her at a dance competition. There was a ballroom dance competition taking place at the Marriott where I was lecturing at a psychic fair. So the two worlds collided. Okay. So she and I, our worlds collided, and, you know, normally I would walk into a psychic fair, and, you know, that was the only thing that was happening in the ballroom that day. But the Marriott made a mistake. They overbooked their events. So the psychic fair got literally pushed to smaller ballrooms, um, and the, the the dance competition was literally taking over the everything. So like, I walked into the Marriott, and it was like 
there were like people in tuxedos and ball gowns and there were like skimpy Latin costumes. And I'm like, what? am I in the right hotel? Like, like what is going on here? So I had walked into the ballroom and, you know, I, I come from an Italian family with a lot of parties and dancing was always something that we did. And, you know, I had learned how to do the Lindy and the cha-cha and stuff like that merengue from, from a kid. Cause we were, we were a partying family. So it wasn't something that was, you know, I didn't know what it was. But it was just my first, like, time in kind of like stepping into the, I don't know, I felt like I was stepping into like a fantasy world, you know. It was kind of a, a cool vibe. Okay. Um, and to be honest, I was not at a good place personally. So when I walked in, I was like, well, that seems like a lot of fun. And somebody saw me, walked over to me, handed me a business card, and said, would you ever be interested in dancing? I was like, I don't know, maybe. And she said, well, you know, come to the studio. And I took the card, I threw it in my appointment book, and I went and did my lecture. And it must have been, that was in February, maybe like five or six weeks later, I had a really, really tough night of readings. And I just felt like people weren't appreciating me, the readings, who was coming through. And I was like, wow, this is a lot of work, and I'm not really feeling appreciated. And I threw my appointment book out of frustration and out popped the card. Okay. And I called, made an appointment, and that's how I, made my, I met my wife. <laughs> Interesting. So, when when did, you, did have you ever done a reading for your wife? I did do a reading for my wife. I I, <laughs> I kind of read her to show her what I did. Okay. Um, and to try to like get her to date me. <laughs> did it work? <laughs> Because yes, uh, I can honestly imagine going going up to someone saying, "I'm I'm going I'm a psychic and I want to date you." If if the person doesn't well, run in the opposite direction, you're you're starting off real good. Yeah, no, I I, I um she was my teacher. Okay, and um you know she was trying to sell me dance lessons, so she needed to know like what my occupation was to see if I could afford them. Gotcha. So it's like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I, I kind of need to tell you, like, I'm, I'm a student still in college, and I'm working towards this degree, but, you know, I, I, I work at a hospital doing phlebotomy, but I also kind of, you know, you know, do this. And she, uh, she responded with you? She gave me, like, uh, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> And then um, I had had tickets to a show. I had bought tickets to Phantom of the Opera. And I, okay. I just never asked anybody to go with me. And every time, like, you know, there's a couple of different girls I was involved with, but I never, the tickets were so far in advance that I wasn't sure I was going to be with them. Uh, so I never, I never earmarked the tickets like, hey, do you want to come? Right. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my aunt. Okay. I'm going to take my aunt to, to, to the theater. And the night before the the show, I was at the studio, and All I Ask of You came on as a rumba, and she came over and asked me to dance, and the two of us danced, and it was from Phantom of the Opera. And I was like, do you know this song? And she said, yes. And I go, do you like it? And she's like, I do. I said, well, you know it's from Phantom of the Opera. She goes, I know. And I'm like, I have tickets tomorrow night. Would you want to go? And when she tells the story, she says in her head, she was like, no, I can't fraternize with students. Right. But what happened was she said yes. Okay. And she was like, like, in her version, she's like, who said that? <laughs> <laughs> so you have, that was it. 
you have two children, Justin and Olivia. Do they know what you do? They understand what you do? Clearly. Okay. Yeah, they've known since they were kids. Yeah, and they're raised to understand that it's not abnormal, that it's natural, that they have it, that everybody has it, um, but it's not, it's not special. Okay. I've kind of gone out of my way to, in life to demystify the subject matter and for them to recognize that I'm not special and, and neither are they because of it, that it's important to look at life through an energetic lens. Okay, you, you use the word uh, demystify. Why, why don't you want to be considered special? Because I think a lot of people look at you that way because in their mind they have an, you have an ability that they don't have. Probably because, I know, well, one, I know the truth. Okay. Um, and, and two, when I worked at the Psychic Fairs, I was a kid. I walked in 16 years old, 15 and a half. And, um, you know, all these people who are in their 40s and 50s work for decades, you know, as long as I'm doing it now, made me feel like, you know, they were way above me. Okay. And, you know, I didn't like that feeling of being put down in a certain way. And then I very quickly learned that they weren't way above me. And that what they were aware above me with was their ego. Uh, and that when their ego got involved with their ability, and they called it a gift, that they were gifted, that they had a gift, mm -hmm. that that classified them as being more special than someone else. And that's why I tell people, like, I don't have a gift, I have an ability, which, by the way, we all have. And that intuition or psychic ability is something that every single person, you included, has. And I think, do I have it more? Do I have it stronger? Yeah, I do. Have I worked at it for four decades? Yes, I do. But if you take Audra McDonald, who's a singer, she has a voice. She worked at her voice. Mm -hmm. um, you take anybody who's in any field where they've worked at it, they do it to the best of their ability. And sure, I might have a genetic predisposition where I'm more enhanced, but it's because I'm a teacher. And the reason why I don't, pe I don't want people looking at me as being special is I don't want them to deem me as their guru or, you know, a, a leader in any way. No, I, I'm normal. I have a regular life. I'm a teacher. Okay. I want to empower people. That's my goal. So when you, when you do a reading, how do you get the information? Where I mean, how are you able to read it? Does it, I mean, does it come to you as words? Does it come to you as a feeling? How do you know that you're actually communicating with someone? It's kind of like a download. So you, you have this experience, right? This sensory experience that's visual in your mind, audible in your mind, and you feel it in your body. Okay. And then you have to describe. So imagine playing charades with someone or Pictionary or having to convey an experience without fully understanding what it is that you're seeing, hearing, and feeling. Um, I'll do an exercise sometimes at my events where I'll write on my phone um, a mother who passed from breast cancer um, who has a dog named Bear. And I'll make somebody from the audience come up, and I'll pick somebody else in the audience, and I'll say, you need to tell them without words this. And they look at me like, are you serious? I'm like, uh-huh. And then, the, and then you watch this person who I've never met before in the audience get up on stage and act out and convey in their frame of reference with their body how to get that person to say it. And they do. Interesting. And then after that's done, I go, 
that's a reading for me, except it's happening quicker and faster in my head, and I'm able to use all of these symbols that I've developed over, you know, it's almost a language for me now, over the years of doing it, um, like like sign language, uh, to convey a thought and a communication style. So it is. It is basically what it is that you are getting. You are getting a feeling, or a, a do I do I say vibration, or is it just yeah. a feel? Okay, but there there is no. Yeah. Well, right no now, t- like, yeah, you know, like right now, a radio station is broadcasting out a signal, and a radio picks it up, or an internet picks it up, or a TV right. picks it up, and it it plays. So it, it's just like that. A okay. cell phone gets a signal, and it could either get. Uh, a text message, it can get a voice message, it can get a FaceTime message. It, it, it can get various different um, communications through that one device. Okay. And that's kind of how it comes across for me. Because that's what I think is really interesting, because we go back in the beginning of the conversation when you said about the reading that your grandmother had about your grandfather passing away and being buried with a mandolin. I mean, that is really specific to be able to say... Oh, yeah. There was a mandolin, and if you're getting it through feeling and vibrate, it could have been a guitar, it could have been a ukulele, it could have been anything. But being able to pick 100%. that out, hundred percent. So, so in other words, yeah, you because, have to be really, really tuned in to what you're doing. Correct, and you have to pay attention. So here's the here's the the, the good and the bad for me. Um, I'm I'm OCD in how I do things, so I hyper focus during a reading. And one of the things that I'll tell people or I'll show people in a group, um, I don't want to be 100% right. Okay. Because I could be 100% right in every group that I go into because there's always somebody that's trying to claim something that I'm saying. Right. I tell people I want to be as close to 100% accurate in the information and delivering it to where it needs to go. And, you know, there'll be moments where I'll, I'll do... I remember being a kid and doing a psychic fair and giving information to a woman, and I realized she thought I was talking about her dad, and I got all this information. And then I realized, I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, your dad was a twin. And she said, yes, my dad was a twin. I go, so your uncle's there. And she goes, yes, my uncle's there. I go, I go ma'am, I'm sorry. I'm not connecting with your dad. I'm connecting with your uncle. I go, and here's the reason why... And I gave her the pieces of the reading, which now made me know that I was connecting with the uncle. And she said, no, 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 it's my dad. Okay. And I went, no, it's not your dad. I go, it's your uncle, and here's the reasons why. And then I backed it up and validated it some more. And she went, no, 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 trust me, it's my, it's my dad. And I like looked at her, and there was a woman in the back of the room who you know, was my mom's age, but became my best friend you know, in the psychic community back then. And she went, oh, no, 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 no. And she interrupted my, my lecture. She was very, very New York, very, very, imagine Fran Drescher with okay. blonde hair. Okay. Um, as a, as a, and she went, no, 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 no. And everybody turned around. She goes, I will not let this happen in a room that I'm standing in. She goes, I want everybody to watch what he just did. She goes, he could have left it alone. He could have left it alone and made her happy. She would have walked out of this room happy. Instead, he's fighting for what he knows to be the truth. Ah. And that is, he is connecting with your uncle, and you need to validate your uncle. And the woman said, okay. She goes, and now you need to pay attention to everything that he said, and go tell your uncle's kids what came through. 
And I just was like, oh, damn, don't piss her off. Like, that kind of moment. Um, you know, it was, a, it was definitely a moment, you know, and, and it, it was, a, you know, one of those turning points for me where I was like, oh, yeah, I am doing, like, I didn't even realize I was doing that. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, I just was like, I was, I was just like obsessing over the fact that I knew it wasn't her father. And I knew it was, it was her uncle. And by the way, her dad was there. And he did come through, but her uncle was the one who was doing most of the talking. Interesting. Her uncle was talking about the family. So I, I say that openly. Like, you know, when I'm doing a, doing a reading for a group, I want to be accurate. I want to bring through the people that are coming through, which means, yeah, your mother-in-law might dominate the session. I just did a phone, I just did a radio station before I called you. Yes. And somebody called up wanting to talk to her mom. And I made a connection with her boss's wife. And her boss's wife dominated on air, the entire reading. And at the end, and, and she, by the way, she validated everything. And I said, at the end, I go, um, I said, thank you so much for, you know, allowing this to happen and passing the message on. She's like, do you have anything else about my mom? I said, her name was Kimberly. I said, Kimberly, I'm so sorry. I, I don't. And she said, okay, thank you. And I, I, I had that moment where I felt bad. I felt bad for her. But the reality is, at the intersection of Kim, John Edward, and that radio station, that woman saw saw her opportunity to let her husband and kids know she's okay. Interesting. And that to me is my job. Cause that, yeah. I, 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 I was, love about my work. I was going to ask you about that. So when you're in a large room, like you're going to be at the uh, Hilton garden in Pittsburgh in, in uh, on August 14th, do you get bombarded with different feelings or do you call an audience member or do they get your attention? And that's how you start the reading. I mean, how do, so how do you start event, your show? <clears throat> every event starts in the same way. I okay. Come out, I kind of unite, I, I come out and I unite the energy of the room by talking a little bit about my subject matter. Because um, a lot of my audiences are new. They, they're coming to me, but it's the first time they're coming to me. So I don't want to take that for granted. So I explain the process. Kind of some of the same stuff you and I have been talking about. And then um, I'll answer five questions. People will sign up for the newsletter and they'll randomly get picked. And then... You know, they ask their questions. Usually we go through a moment of them being stunned that they heard their name and they've got to come up with a question. Okay. Um, and I won't let them make it be a question about them. It's got to be a question about the subject matter. Because usually if they have it, somebody else in the room has it. So I kind of feel like I knock out big blocks of the audience okay. with some of their generic questions, you know, by those first five questions being asked. And then I start reading for people. And I will get pulled to a section of the room. So I'll say, I'm in that section. And the reason why I do that, if I've got 100, 200, 500 people in a room, I don't want to go, who here knows Joe? Right. Because multiple people are going to know Joe. Right. So what I want to do is I want to pinpoint it. I go, I'm coming to that section. In that section, I'm getting this, 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 and this. I try to state the information as best as I can, and then I will ask if anybody in that section understands it. The reason why I read like that is I don't want somebody to say, he's fishing for information because I'm asking a question. For example, I could say to you, who has the father who passed from cancer? Who has the person who's named Joe? Who has the birthday in November? Technically, I'm doing the same thing. I'm getting the same information. But how I frame that information is vastly different. One is me asking for information. One is me delivering information. So what I do is I deliver the information first, state it, and then I ask them to validate it if they understand it. Okay. Same thing, but just making sure that I'm, I'm kind of like knocking out 
the younger version of myself in the room going, look, 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 he's asking them questions. He just asked who has a father who passed. So I know that there's that young John Edward mindset that's sitting in the room. So I'm kind of talking to that person going, I got you. I know what you're thinking. So now I'm going to alleviate that by stating it first and then being specific. And the fun part for me is, you know, when I go into a, you know, a hotel ballroom, the audio guy that's been hired, he's local. I don't know you. Right. I don't know him. Right. The security guys are local. They're local cops, the security. I don't know them. I love the after-the-event questions when the security guy comes up and is like, dude, like, I, I didn't know what I got hired for tonight, but, like, this is crazy. Like, this is, like, crazy. You know, or the, or the AV guy goes, you know, like, I, I, I can't believe this. Like, this is, this is, this is awesome. And then they ask, they ask the questions after the fact. So it's, it's always fun to see how people beyond the room of tickets get helped by their awareness being raised in a different way. It, because I look at it as the universe made that cop available to work that event that night. That AV schedule had to be available that night. Right. That hotel banquet manager had to be available that night to be a part of that. So I don't think anything happens by accident. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting. When you were using those questions to fish people out, it, you were actually, my grandfather was Joe. He died of cancer. And every, I'm going, yeah, I could see where you could get really roped into that. I really, <laughs> I really, I really do. Because I think a lot of people in that room want to believe that they're, that the person is there. And well, I'm you're, like, you're, you're be, missing the last part. I, there was a third part of that. You didn't in the phone. Oh yeah, that 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 the people that were that the people that were there. That's why I said. I think no, no, no. I mean for no, I mean for you. Oh, but I'm I said, sorry. I said, I said, grandfather. I said, Joe. I then said, eleven <laughs> or November, which means November has a meaning as well for your yeah, family. Yeah, he he died in November. That's really interesting. <laughs> Right, so I don't make I don't make gestures like that lightly. When I give examples, I do it on purpose. <laughs> because so, I'm, I'm listening to that and I'm going, boy, that sounds really familiar. Because I was only 11 when he what was I? No, I was that was my other grandfather. I was a 19, 20 years old when he passed away. So again, that interesting, very interesting. Because I would have never. And plus, you have somebody who worked. You have somebody who worked either in the mail system. Or for some type of delivery service in some way. Yes, my mother was a uh, um, is a retired postmaster. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. This okay. This is getting really weird, real because you would never know this stuff because you and I have not talked before this program. Even with your PR no, people, I've never talked about. That's interesting. No. See, but the thing is, that's what a reading is supposed to be like. You and I are talking. I'm in your energy. Okay. You created a safe and sacred. You created a safe and sacred space for me to be able to do that. Um, I stated the information. You, with your skeptical mindset, which is what I want every person yeah. to have, stopped and went. Hold on. Yes. <laughs> that is that like that makes sense. Then you questioned it, and I backed it up with something that's factual. That's what a reading's supposed to be like. Okay. So that you recognize that these people are are connected to you. That. Again, that is just that is just amazing to me because, again, out of the blue, I would have never expected that. You bring it up in regular conversation, then all of a sudden I'm going, wait a minute, that's familiar. And I now I, and am, I, now I understand. And I think somebody played uh, like a woodwind instrument. So I don't know if somebody was a clarinetist 
or they play something that they blow into, but somebody at one point played an instrument that you would blow into. Hmm. I'd have to think about that one because I'm not familiar with that. And then you have somebody that drowned, too. You know that. No, I don't. Yeah, somebody passed in an asphyxiated manner. So when they show me asphyxiation, um, it either means that somebody passed from a drowning or they passed where they were asphyxiated by or doing something. I had a, I, uh, and this is divulging information, but I had a cousin that died in a house fire um, when he was yeah. six years old. So that family member is, is going to be connected to the family member that played the instrument. So all of it kind of like tells the story. And then there's a Thomas or a Tony or a T name because I hear the t- t- yes sound in my head. Okay. This is just getting too real here. <laughs> um, amazing. It really is. Because, again, I came into this interview as a skeptic, and now I'm going, okay, I get it. And and the, the T sound you're hearing is, is Tommy. So, yeah. Yeah, but I want you to leave this interview and remain a skeptic because I do this work yes. and I've never given up my skeptical status <laughs> because I don't want you to think that everybody reads the same way that I read and go, oh my God, I had an experience with John and everybody reads like that. They don't. So for me, I, I try to set a standard of like, this is how it should always be. And the, the opposite of what we talked earlier about, the asking the questions, yes. that's what I refer to as, as lazy mediumship. Like, it's lazy. Okay. And sometimes when I'm doing a reading for somebody where it gets difficult... I have to switch into that and be like, okay, dude, who is this? And like, why am I getting this in order to facilitate that? But 90% of the time, I'm reading the way I just did it for you. Interesting. Really is. Now, are there people, and I, I mean, I don't want to end on this, but I want to ask this question. Are there people that claim to be psychics that aren't? Yes. Okay. 100%. I had somebody yesterday on Instagram um, duplicated my account and was following people, asking them, to follow them to send them money to do readings. Okay. And I had to put an Instagram post out saying that this is an imposter. So I think you have every level of it. I think you have people who are not legitimate that are scamming people. I think you have people that think they're legitimate mm-hmm. but are not trained um, and they're not ethical with what they're doing. So I am you know, all about making sure people raise their awareness and are protected when it comes to this work, that they're educated and that they're aware of what something should should be like. Very, very interesting. Um, so you're coming to Pittsburgh on August 14th, um, 7 p.m. at the Hilton Garden in Pittsburgh, South Point. And is there anything that we have not discussed today that you want to give to the audience about coming to see you? No, but there is some, I mean, if people want to come see me, they can go to johnedward.net. They can find out anything about me there. Okay. Sign up for the newsletter. But for people who are not going to come see me, I think what's really important is try to leave people better than you find them. Okay. The number one thing that I think people want to know is that are their loved ones and friends okay? And, you know, do they miss them? And I think that it's because there's missed opportunities in communication and that people don't talk about death in, in life so that when it happens, it's a shock and a surprise. So if we leave people better than we find them, then we never have to wonder how they feel about us or how we feel about them because we've created that. And I think that's probably the most important thing. John, I really appreciate you taking time to talk with us today. It has been a great hour. 
and uh, good Thank luck. You. Good luck. I mean, really, I I came into this not knowing what to expect. I'm still a skeptic, but I can understand. Good. I can understand why why you can say this is this is happening because there are things that you told me that I don't think I've ever mentioned to anybody, especially in the last ten or fifteen years. So. Very, right. very, and the very last thing, my friend, I'll leave. I'm going to leave you with one last thing that they okay. want me to remind you about. Okay, and that's the bear story. The story with the bear. I'll leave it there. The story with the bear. I'll have to think about that one. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much. You take care, John. Thank you very much. Really appreciate having you on the program today, and uh, you have a great afternoon. Bye bye. You too. John Edwards here, John Edward, I'm sorry, here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. He will be in Pittsburgh at the uh, Hilton Garden Inn in uh, Pittsburgh at the South Point, which is actually just uh, south of Pittsburgh in Washington. The con- the event is happening at 7 p.m. And for tickets and more information, go to his website, johnedward.net. Again, that's johnedward.net. So uh, that's going to wrap up a program because I am just dumbfounded i guess is a good way to put it i really am because i would have never expected to get a partial part of a reading at the end of my own program i had no no expectation of that whatsoever and i gotta think about what the bear story is huh now i'm gonna have to start asking people what the bear story is i don't know i, I gotta think of that one through but my grandfather uh <laughs> died of cancer uh my mother worked for the U.S. Postal Service, and I had a cousin that passed away in a fire. So, very interesting. Uh, <laughs> I am just sitting here chilled. I really am. But anyway, that's going to wrap up a program for today. I really hope you enjoyed it. Again, John Edwards coming to the Pittsburgh area. It's going to be happening on August 14th, 2019 at the Hilton Garden Inn in Pittsburgh, South Point at 7 p.m. For ticket information, go to johnedward.net. And that's going to wrap up a show tonight as we broadcast here for WMCK.FM, Fayette TV Channel 77, as we broadcast live from our studios high atop High Street in Brownsville, Pennsylvania, in the Phil Genetti Motor Studio. If you're looking for a quality pre-owned vehicle, give Chip a call. The number is 724-785-6800. And I hear music, so it's time for us to get out of here. We'll talk to you next time here online with yours truly. Bill Alexander.
If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Have you guys noticed that you can't go anywhere without seeing designer this or designer that, even designer furniture? On my social feeds and celebrity homes, it's everywhere. Have you seen how expensive these are? Well, if you want the sofa or recliner or bed that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends, but without the designer prices. Oh, and they're well-made, too. It's the whole package. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that... That's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.